Hello, welcome to Science to the Tea. I'm Sky, and this morning I'm sipping on a matcha latte that I made with some soy milk. Every time I start drinking matcha again, I remember why I used to drink it all the time. I don't get shaky, and I have pretty awesome focus. So grab your favorite mug, and let's find out why nanodiamonds are a neuron's best friend. Today's paper was published by the American Chemical Society in their peer-reviewed journal Applied Biomaterials by Yuju Chen and colleagues from Taiwan. I actually met the senior author on this paper at a conference in Chicago back in 2019. The senior author is typically the person who is the head of the lab, and he was super awesome. Meeting kind and excited scientists like him is always a treat, especially when their work is super cool like this. The researchers in this paper studied the effects of nanodiamonds on neuron growth, which could potentially be used to control neuron regeneration and help people with, say, spinal cord injuries heal. So this group was interested in studying the effects of nanotopography on neuron development. Nanotopography really just means the environment that the neurons are growing on in the nanoscale. So the researchers here used nano-sized diamonds to study how this topography or environment could affect neuron growth. Nanodiamonds are pretty cool because they've been shown to be very compatible with neurons both in a dish and in animal models. They're also very chemically stable, can take up heat, are low in friction, and have a large surface area. All of these properties make nanodiamonds pretty ideal for potential applications in the medical world. There has been a lot of research over the past five-ish years looking into how the environment outside of neurons can control how they grow, move, and interact with each other. This is both really cool and super important work because if we understand more about the environments needed for neurons to do the right things, then we could potentially use this knowledge to help fix the environment when neurons do the wrong thing. So to study the effects of nanotopography on neuronal development, the researchers used hippocampal cells taken from the hippocampus of mouse embryos and put them into dishes that were coated with either a layer of nanodiamonds or a substance called poly-L-lysine. Poly-L-lysine is usually used to help neurons stick to the bottom of these dishes because, let me tell you, neurons are <laughs> real picky and they don't like to stick to really anything but each other. So this group put hippocampal neurons in dishes coated with either poly-L-lysine as a control or three to five nanometer sized diamonds that were spherical in shape. The researchers first made sure that the nanodiamonds weren't toxic to the neurons and that these guys actually wanted to stick to the surface of them. Since the cells were happy and stayed attached, they then looked at how the neurons were behaving. At first glance, they saw that neurons on the nanodiamonds looked like they had longer neurites than the control neurons. And neurites are like little cell fingertips that feel around in the environment. This part is pretty cool, but what they found next was even cooler. The researchers saw that neurons grown on the nanodiamonds for 40 hours actually became more polarized than control cells. What does this mean? Well, as neurons develop, they become sighted in a way. One end has the nucleus inside of what is called the cell body, and the other end has the axon that extends out of the cell body. The extension of the axon is part of neuronal development, and these axons have to extend to get to the right places in order to send the right signals later on. Here, while less than 40% of control neurons had extended axons, over 75% of the neurons on nanodiamonds had become polarized with axons. 
They next noticed that neurons growing on the nanodiamonds were more spread out and less clumped together than control cells. This is cool because, as I said before, neurons typically only like to stick to each other, which can make studying them pretty difficult. But these nanodiamonds were allowing them to grow a little bit more isolated. This more isolated growth was also seen after two weeks, so the effect wasn't just temporary. But why is all of this happening? What do the nanodiamonds do that make neurons behave this way? To start answering these questions, the researchers looked at messenger RNA inside of the control neurons and the neurons that were on the nanodiamonds. Now, if you think back to biology class, you might remember that messenger RNA, which stands for ribonucleic acid, is what makes the proteins in your cells. So you have DNA in the nucleus, then messenger RNA is made from that outside of the nucleus. And the messenger RNA then gets decoded and is used to make all the little working proteins that go on to do the big jobs in your cells. So they looked at the messenger RNA between these two conditions and saw that they were almost identical, like there were almost no differences. But when they looked at the different types of RNA, such as microRNAs, which are much smaller and actually don't make proteins but regulate mRNAs, they found that there were way less microRNAs in the neurons on the nanodiamonds. Kind of weird, right? So while there were no changes to the mRNA, there were less of these microRNAs that help regulate mRNAs. They then looked at a bunch of microRNAs normally found in hippocampal neurons and found that this overall decrease was actually due to a single microRNA not being made. All the microRNA levels were about the same, except for one, and that one was the R6236 microRNA. And I'm just going to call it R6 because I don't really want to repeat that. <laughs> so this, like, never happens. Usually when people look at RNA, they get a ton of potential what is called hits or things of interest that are different between the two conditions, but they basically found one. So maybe R6 is used to sense the cell surface or the topography and regulate things inside of the cell that would then control development. To see if this is true, the researchers used this microRNA and basically put more of it inside of neurons and compared them to cells that had normal levels, all on top of nanodiamonds. They found that these cells had shorter neurites, those little cell fingers, and they were less polarized. So when they bring up the levels of this R6, these cells look like the ones that were on polyol lysine before, even though they were on the nanodiamonds. Isn't that so cool? <laughs> now, this last bit is where things get a little meh to me. It's a bit of a stretch in my opinion, but still interesting either way. The researchers next coated the dishes with a different substance called conjointin sulfate proteoglycan that is apparently known to accumulate after injury and stops regeneration. So here, they removed most of the R6 from neurons and put them in the dishes with the chondroitin sulfate proteoglycan, kind of mimicking the decrease that they saw on the nanodiamonds. When they compared these cells to controls, the neurons with less R6 had longer neurites. Now they claim that this result suggests that R6 depletion has the potential to promote regeneration in injured neurons, but 
I think that might be a little bit of a stretch. The neurites might be longer, but what about the axons? What about the health of these cells long term? What if these cells need to move or migrate? Does removing R6 stop that? And what about a real-world situation where there's a spinal cord injury? Will removing R6 from cells help? These are all pretty important questions that should be answered before we can say anything solid about regeneration. But I think that the researchers here did a great job at paving the way for others to look into this. Who knows? They could be answering these questions as I speak. So with that, we now know that hippocampal neurons not only stick onto and respond to nanodiamond topography, but these nanodiamonds may be useful in the future to help neuron regeneration after injury or during disease. Yay! Thank you for listening to Science to the T. You can submit topic requests to science to the T at gmail.com or through direct message on Instagram at science to the T. Please rate or comment to help make this the best learning experience possible. Tune in next week for another terrific episode. <laughs>